1: $25 each.
0: Visit livenation.com slash concertweek to buy now. That's livenation.com slash concertweek to buy now. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: <clears throat> AT&T connects an O to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream.
0: Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is
1: Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We are joined, as always, with our super producer, Alexis, codenamed Doc Holiday Jackson. Most importantly, you are you. You are here. And that makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. It is the top of the week. And this is a little something we like to call strange news, which means we go to some of the stories that you may have seen headlines about, we go to some of the stories you may have not heard about in your neck of the global woods, and Along the way, we run into some things on the fringes of reporting. Some of the stories that it appears certain people may not want told. Uh, Things are going nuts, you know. If you just look around today, uh, you may have recently heard that in 2020, uh, the number of billionaires in the world increased by over 12%, so they're doing quite well. Uh, Give them a hand, although I'm, I'm sure they can buy one for themselves. Right. You know, I, I read a really interesting
0: article about very wealthy people who are worth over one million dollars, and how how much they think about how much their heirs should get when they pass, and how they have a lot of anxiety about that. Oh, should it should yeah. be, you know, but they don't want it to be too much because they want their heirs to not lose that sense of needing to have a career and a good job and be successful. <laughs> yeah, it's a fascinating problem.
1: I can't wait till the other study comes out about the children of millionaires who are worried they won't get enough money. You know what I mean? I think the research is probably there. Uh, Let's see. Also, Australia, France, the U.S. and the U.K. are mad at each other about nuclear submarines. That's happening. Some people are traveling more often. Also,
2: if I'm not mistaken, Joe Biden forgot the name of the Australian prime minister in a speech, which didn't. Bode particularly well for uh, international relations
1: with that country. Well, in his defense, a lot of people don't know the name of the Australian prime minister. It's fair, but it's kind of his job,
2: you know, to, like, remember those types of
1: names. Folks, we when
0: you're, folks, uh, we just got to calm down now. Let's take <laughs> a pause like, here.
1: Uh, you just have to say Scranton. <laughs> like that was his watchword during the campaigns, you know, yeah, yeah. Scranton it's was a, like a baby he had just had, and every every policy conversation or debate led back to Scranton. Well, Scranton is where just the common American blue collar worker just exists. The archetype
2: for that is. In Scranton, everybody knows that has seen the Office, but um, yeah, I think his approval ratings are down a good bit because of the whole Afghanistan debacle, right?
1: Yeah, that's and that's a bit of a poison pill. I don't remember uh, if I had said it on this show, but that's that's something that happens uh, with with successive administrations. The deal had already been struck by the previous administration; he was following through with it. Uh, But for people who think the U.S. should remain heavily involved in Afghanistan he's the one who got the uh he's the one who drew the short straw or as the Black Monday murders would say he was in the stone chair uh oh. that's that's a reference for like us and maybe maybe a couple other people but we're not talking about those things today we're just listing some stuff to let you know that the world is continuing on and in a show like this, really any show that talks about topical events uh we, you have to understand that there's going to be more to the story, uh, and there are going to be more stories that people don't reach. The folks who probably get the closest to it are good friends at the uh, Daily Zeitgeist, because they do two, like two shows a day now. Uh, but we have carefully picked some things, a mix of the funny but important, a mix of the disturbing yet important, and a mix of the fringe yeah, it's also important. If you see a theme here, um, maybe we ease into it today, guys. Uh, I've got I've got a good setup for you, Noel. Uh, you know, I used to do that car show back in the day, and one of the one of the statistics that often gets kind of misconstrued is uh, the relationship between cows and cars. Like you'll mm. hear people say. And sometimes they had skin in the car game, of course. They would say stuff like, uh, well, is the problem really automobiles? They're not the only sources of these dangerous gases. What about cows?
2: Right. Yeah, specifically cow farts uh, we're not and burps even, which contain a lot of methane, um, which which are greenhouse gases. But we're not talking about farts or burps today. We're talking about peeing. That's where I thought you were going with that segue, Ben. I thought you were maybe going to talk about like truck drivers peeing into bottles maybe. Um, or P.I.s. Oh, 100%. Um, truck drivers, you know, <laughs> pee the T. bottles I. definitely g- generate a lot of urine. Um, you know, they end up kind of keeping around you know, for a while until they make a stop Maybe mm-hmm. they dump the bottles or reuse them. Not, hey, I'm not trying to pigeonhole any truck drivers out there. And I know that everyone doesn't do that, but it's certainly a thing that some people do for good reason. It's more efficient than stopping all the time. Uh, but cows pee a lot. Uh, even baby cows, calves, uh, generate something, something in the neighborhood of um, tens of gallons of urine every single day. Um, and urine, while it doesn't create methane – it does create ammonia, it emits ammonia. And when it mixes with certain microbes on the ground where, where cows are stepping, cause they're just peeing where they stand, right? It can create something called nitrous oxide. Yeah, that nitrous oxide is really similar to what you get at the dentist, if I'm not mistaken, the stuff that uh, makes you kind of go under. Nitrous oxide is nitrous oxide, right? Maybe there's like a variation of it, but that is definitely what laughing gas is, is nitrous oxide. Um, but it is apparently uh, 7% of all greenhouse gases in the United States uh, consist of nitrous oxide. That's according to the Environmental Protection Agency. And cattle farms are responsible for about half of the ammonia that's produced in Europe. Uh, And a lot of this information uh, is coming from an excellent Smithsonian article that kind of gives the rundown on this study that was done at the University of Auckland um, in Australia that was published in the peer-reviewed journal Current Biology. And one of the, uh, the studies... Um, founders, or uh, I guess one of the authors, co-authors of the study, who's an animal behavioral scientist, uh, is a person named Lindsay Matthews. And uh, this study came about because of the problem that I just described, that uh, yes, nitrous oxide is a big problem um, in terms of greenhouse gas, in terms of emissions, in terms of the overall portfolio of these pollutants in you know the whole world. And animal husbandry or, you know, uh, farms that are built for generating meat and other byproducts of animals are a huge part of this. And what the uh, authors of the study figured out how to do, um, they identified this problem, which is something that was already very much a known thing, but they figured out how to potty train cows. Hmm. Yep. Potty train cows. And apparently uh, it's not that hard And it involves something very similar to what we talked about, Ben, very recently in our episode that I believe, Matt, you were absent for um, about uh, video game addiction, where we talked about the idea of conditioning, of psychological conditioning, whether classical conditioning or the type that uh, B.F. Skinner did that involved uh, a reward response kind of triggering um, mechanism where you do a thing, you get a treat. And if you get the treat enough, you kind of just start doing the thing without even needing the treat. Is that the gist of that, Ben?
1: Uh, yeah, it hinges on, on a couple of factors, you know, and there, there are a couple of different genres or approaches you could take here, but cows as domesticated mammals are going to be pretty easy to train or condition in this way. I mean, you know, uh, they feel things like uh, they have emotions, right? They they like rewards, and uh, it's they've, they've got all the hardware. You know what I mean? If anything, the weirdest thing, The weirdest aspect of this is that no one has tried it before, but I feel like somebody had to, right? Somewhere in the millennia old history of people and cows, there had to be at least one person before, right, who was like, I don't know, let me see if I can make a pee over there exactly and uh, make them pee over there
2: they did Um, with something they designed um, that's essentially a penned in area it's kind of small you know the cow can move around about in a circle but not much more room than that I mean think of it as like a urinal stall it really is Mm -hmm. about that uh, size in terms of the the space to size of the animal ratio Um, but they call it a Mm mooloo I don't know if that's been uh, trademarked they better get on that because that is too cute M O O L O O uh, the Mulu. Um And the idea is that they took 16 Holstein calves um, and got them to uh, use this. I guess that I, I'm not quite exactly sure. I've seen a video of how it, what happens once they get inside there, but it is like sort of these barn door kind of situations, almost like the, the doors to a saloon they have to go through. Um, so I'm wondering exactly how they got them in there in the first place. But uh, essentially what the idea was, they would get them in there enough where if they peed, Inside of this pen, uh, which, again, you can see a great video from The Telegraph of this ex- this actual thing happening, they would be rewarded with this little window that would open up and, like, kind of uh, push out this bucket of this sweet kind of molasses substance. They would then, you know, lap up. It's like a nice, sweet little treat, great little reward. Uh, in other circumstances, they would use crushed barley, I believe, if the cow peed in the uh, little AstroTurf a urinal uh, stall, let's just call it, because it is co- covered with AstroTurf. It's not like they're peeing into a toilet or into a particular hole. They can pee anywhere in this area, and then it's filtered down, uh, and they're able to capture this stuff. Uh, what they're going to do with it, that's uh, thats probably for another conversation, but surely uh, this stuff maybe has some use. Who knows? There's but a big they-
0: nitrous oxide market exactly
2: Mm. exactly maybe maybe that's the thing steve martin is
1: the dentist from little shop of horrors come on (laughs) yeah i'm listening to that song right after right after this recording now you've inspired me also yes thanks to everybody who wrote in let's just get in front of this guys the b52s wrote love shack they did not write sugar shack heartfelt apologies thank you for the oh
2: man i yeah what was that from it was from a previous episode. I, I clocked that too, Ben. I, I just, we were moving so fast. I didn't, didn't say anything. Um, Sugar Shack is like, what is that? I don't know if there's a song called Sugar Shack, but there, are, is. there. is, is yeah. there? Yeah. It's, it's an like oldies a, song. It's like a rock the, uh, and roll, like a blues song or something. The fireballs. Yeah. That sounds right. Oh. Got it. I just thought, uh, I
0: thought that was a place where you could go get food. Isn't the Sugar Shack a no, thing? It's where is. they there's, sell there's
1: maple d- syrup.
0: Well, that's
2: true, but also in California, there is a chain of, like, uh, um, diner-type spots called Mm. sugar shacks. Um, I've I've derailed us. Not at all. Not at all. We're just talking about cow pee. We needed a break. Um, Nitrous oxide. I brought
0: that up because all the head shops that I've seen lately, uh, any head shop, just has a whole row of nitrous oxide that you could buy. And they're like, this is not for whippets. Uh-huh. This is just nitrous oxide.
1: How, how many head <laughs> shops you go into, you know, just on average per week now?
0: Every one that I find. I go in there, <laughs> do a quick inspection, you know, as a as oh, a narc. It's, it's for work. Okay. <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly. Uh, um, th- th- there is a little extra detail I wanted to add. Yeah. They did, it, you know, to get the cows rare and to go for this trial, they gave them diuretics, so it made them more likely to have to pee, but they don't make it quite clear how they... New again, it's a small area, and they have to get them to go in there. So maybe they start to kind of tinkle a little bit. They're like, "Okay, Cowie, go on in here, and then and do your business." Um, but it, to me, it's all about timing, and it's, the training involves them knowing they have to pee uh, and training them to hold it until they get to you know the the uh, the, the pen. Um, so if they don't do it right, they would get uh, spritzed with a little bit of cold water, or an unple- a quote unpleasant sound would play. Um, and within uh the course of around ten training days, is what they refer to it as, which makes me think of i you know King Kong ain't got on me mm-hmm. um they were able to train eleven to do it correctly and consistently um and the idea is that if they can isolate where this uh, urination is happening, or micturation, as they refer to it in the study, which I want to read you a couple lines from because it's really, uh, it's, it's very erudite potty language, which is a delight to me, um, then they can significantly cut down on greenhouse gases. They were saying if they can get 80% of the world's cattle to do this, they could cut down on something in the neighborhood of 56% of the ammonia emissions uh, in the entire planet. Uh, so that's that's a pretty big deal. Um, that's really the gist of it. I'd love to hear you guys' thoughts, but I just want to read first couple sentences of this study because it's delightful. Indiscriminate voiding of excreta by cattle contributes to greenhouse gas, GHG, emissions, and soil and water contamination. Emissions are higher in animal-friendly husbandry offering cattle more space, a trade-off we call the climate killer conundrum, Voiding in a specific location, latrine, would help resolve this dilemma by allowing ready capture and treatment of excreta under more spacious farming conditions. Um, I love this. And I also want to point out something that is mentioned in the very first sentence is that this is also about runoff. That this stuff, you know, can literally contaminate water supplies as well, you know, for drinking water. So, um, kind of a multi-fold solution to to a pretty significant problem uh, that involves something real cute—the idea of, you know, training little baby cows to to pee in a in a latrine
0: stall. Well, at least they're not drilling holes down into aquifers like a certain company that's been making the news lately yeah this uh, seems
2: way more uh friendly and benign than that for they're sure. just
0: they're just voiding their excreta down into the aquifers eventually
1: well, right. yes, yeah, I have a question here because it's it's a question that I know can be a bummer for some folks, but I think it is an important question. So these cows are not based in the u s right, so there are different laws governing how they have to be treated. Uh, what their quality of life may be, and it's, you know, it's admittedly pretty low in a lot of situations in the U.S. But I'm wondering if, you know, I I set this up a little earlier when I said, you know, they're obviously intelligent enough to experience emotion uh, like humans do. Are they intelligent enough to experience boredom? And if so, is doing this like a new interesting thing? Next question, what else can you train them to do? You know what I mean? We're, we're on the cusp of something big here.
2: I, I agree. And honestly, I, I always kind of realized cows, you know, were, we're relatively intelligent creatures. But it always kind of blows my mind the lines that we, you know, culturally draw between animals that were comfortable with slaughtering and eating and ones that were not. Like, even rabbits are sort of on the fence. But, like, you know, cattle are okay, even though we can totally train them to go to the bathroom quicker than you can even a toddler. That was uh, the big takeaway in the study that made all the headlines. It's like cows can be trained to use the uh, potty uh, more readily than toddlers. So I don't know. It's just something interesting to to think about. Again, and I'm not like some sort of, you know, vegan or anti-meat eater person at all. I just think it's interesting culturally the way we, you know, have those lines in the sand. Uh, And it sure seems like cows are pretty gentle uh, and intelligent creatures
1: um, that exist largely for our consumption. Those taboos are taboos of convenience. People will eat anything up to and including each other. If it means they get to live one more day, you know what I mean? In oh, this situation true. right. Yeah.
2: Um, but anyway, something interesting to keep an eye on really quickly, just at the end here, do you guys see any, like, how would you scale this? You know what I mean? It would require training, like it would require putting in place like this whole extra step Uh, in the process and then, you know, maybe they had some luck with a small sample size, but as we know, you know, psychology is different per individual. So maybe it wouldn't be a hundred percent success rate, you know, if they were trying to train massive quantities of calves to do this, they would probably
1: Uh, teach their young at some point. You mm -hmm. know, So, um, I think it also, again, goes back to their living, the living standards of the cattle if they're If they're in egregious, really crowded conditions, it may be physically impossible for them to do this i agree
2: uh and Matt, another thing I wanted to just end on is this also. Uh, is more sanitary for the for the roaming you know for the cattle uh, the grazing conditions since you know the urine is isolated to an area where it can drain away um, i'm sure that latrine and the astroturf there doesn't smell great but uh, it certainly leads to cleaner conditions than you know if they were just going wherever
0: Well, this is great and the un just again said hey everybody <laughs> hey we should do something about you know, climate change, and we should do it faster than we've been doing it. So let's do that. Uh, and, you know, that's just the UN and members of the UN saying that again. But this could be one small step towards helping out a little bit, at least in some small way, if it can be, like you said, applied on a, a wide scale. One, one small, small stream. For a for account. Account. One, giant one giant piss, piss for, mankind. for mankind. Get out of my head. You son of a, oh, I love it. I just, Uh, I had a vision of Alex Jones yelling that really loudly.
2: It was just fun because I mean, even with the zoom delay, we kind of got that out at the exact same time. (laughs) Ben, I love you so much, dude. We can leave it with that, I think, and uh, have a quick sponsor break and then we'll be back with more strange news.
3: So, visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire.
0: This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you solve the world's biggest mysteries or take on alien
1: life. At least, not the ones you're thinking of. But they can help take care of pesky invaders in your home.
0: Like the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, and the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, So does Terminix.
1: No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control.
0: Terminix it.
1: Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today.
0: That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today.
2: From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny
1: USA.
0: Hope you enjoyed those commercials. We are switching gears, so prepare yourselves. If you have been paying any attention to your news feed that comes on your phone on whichever app you choose to use, if you've looked at a television, whether in a bar or at your home, and news was on that television, you've likely heard of Gabby Petito and Brian Laundrie. Now, this is another missing persons case, There are a lot of those in the United States. We've spoken about these before in the past, depending on the demographics of the missing person. uh, It may or may not get the most attention you've ever seen a case get or the least attention uh, or or zero attention. But in this case, it is a young 22-year-old woman, and it's all over the place. Everyone, Everyone pretty much knows who this is. Noel, you were saying you haven't seen it come across NPR or anything like that? No, yet?
2: not yet. No, I mean, and I've, um, I haven't watched like, you know, cable news since last week when I was at the gym, um, and I don't really typically watch that at home. I guess I haven't been looking at Facebook much either, just mainly Instagram. So this is kind of news to me, but uh, I'm sorry to hear this. It doesn't sound like a good story.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, it's it's not a good story, but... I'm honestly surprised that it hasn't made it across somebody's Instagram feed at some point, but let's just move. On. I'll tell you where we are because I've been following this since I believe it was the 20th anniversary of September 11th. That's when I think I heard the first murmurings about it. Mm-hmm. That is around the time when Gabby's parents reported her missing. And that's really when I noticed that every morning when I woke up on my Apple news feed, there was an update. And around mid-afternoon, there was another update. And then around the evening, a third update. And it's just pretty much a story that's been continually cycling through your NBCs, ABCs, CBSs, CNNs. All of these major news outlets are covering this thing on an hourly basis. I'm going to give you where we stand right now as of 9-20-2021. This is a Monday when we're recording this. What's happened thus far just in the past, I think this is a day. Ben, you correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think this is in roughly a day's time, all the things that I'm going to be discussing here, maybe two days. So before we go into the news that we're going to discuss today, let's just give the absolute basics. You can go to CNN, Fox News, whatever you choose to to read and see a timeline. Uh, Gabby and her boyfriend, Brian, went on a long road trip the end of June Uh, Throughout the end of August, they were traveling from New York all the way across from the East Coast to the West Coast, going through a bunch of national, you know, uh, national parks, visiting some monuments, things like that. And they they were, uh, I guess, through social media, documenting everything. Right. So we got a couple of interesting things coinciding here. We've got a missing persons case and a person who is very active on social media and is And I think for some reason, those two things together have caused this case to really become elevated. Mm -hmm. Um, Particularly the number of followers that Petito had. Correct. God, there's a lot to discuss here. But Petito, Gabby, ended up not making contact with her parents towards the end of August when contact should have been made and they were unable to get in touch with their daughter. Then apparently the boyfriend drove home to Florida and didn't contact Petito's parents to tell them what was going on or what happened. It all became this weird situation where there was so much mystery around what the boyfriend was doing and why, why he lawyered up to many people who were following this. They immediately saw that as a very hard tell that something wrong had happened. Something terrible had happened and the guy was dodging the police and now it has evolved very much over the past couple of days. So let's get into the news. The first thing that happened was the FBI began searching a very specific area of Grand Teton National Park, which is out there in the West. You can look all of this up if you wish. There's an NBC New York article titled Gabby Petito Search Expands FBI Looking for Witnesses from a Specific Campground. You can find all that information there. Uh, Then there was another article, this one from CNN. This one was all about now searching for Brian Laundrie, who had disappeared and escaped somehow into a reserve, a nature reserve out in Florida, fairly near his parents' home. You can also look to a story out of, uh, this one was from NBC again. This one is the major part of the story that we were going to bring up today, but then everything has evolved since then as well. This morning, the FBI said that a body, quote, that is consistent with the description of Gabby Petito was found in the park or in an area of the park where they were searching. So it is very likely that by the time you hear this, this body has been identified as Gabby Petito, and the hunt for the boyfriend, Brian Laundry will be going strong, or they will... Have apprehended him or found his body? Who knows? That's the thing about doing a story like this. Mm-hmm. So much can happen between the time that we sit down to record this and then you hear it. Uh, that's why we very much avoid these kinds mm-hmm. of stories. But again, there's so much out there about this right now. It's getting so much attention. We felt like we had to at least mention it here.
1: Yeah, that's one of the things. Uh, that's one of the, the things that you and I talked about, Matt, off air, because I I realize. I'm honestly the one who often is most hesitant to go to something that continues to have an evolving event curve, mm-hmm. I would call it, you mm-hmm. know, uh, with so much on the horizon. And so I was the one going, okay, let's check everything, like, right as we're going on air. And then I even, um, while while you were walking us through the basics here, I was, I was also going, okay, let's just check, just in case. Yeah. They found this guy, and then we'll probably check again at the end. But I I completely agree with your assessment. There is one thing that puts me off just a bit, and I want to say this carefully, and I don't want it to be mistaken as a cold comment. In fact, it's quite the opposite. It's a larger aspect. Before we dive into the recent developments here, I want to make a note for everybody, and I hope I'm not the only person thinking this. How many other people went missing? In the month of August. How many people went missing this year? How many people went missing in 2020 in the US alone? I can pull the statistics. I have them. We can save them for a future episode, but they're sobering. Okay. And they're not they're not great statistics. Just have hey, no doubt. Spoiler, there's not a year where zero people disappeared. And there's not a year where all the people who disappeared made it back or were found. And so I think about this sometimes when we, we have other cases that pop up in in the past in the u s where where one person goes missing and they dominate the headlines. And for you know, for the parents, the loved ones, the survivors of these folks who, for one reason or another, become an object of national and international focus, I, I hope that that attention brings a resolution, right? Because this, as we're recording this right now, it hasn't been ruled a homicide, no. just to be very clear. But I I would also, like, I, I'm not going to be one of the people who's saying, don't pay this much attention to a single tragedy, but I'm asking why this much attention is not paid to every tragedy, you know? And there are more cynical folks in the crowd who are thinking of the cases that I'm alluding yeah. to in the past, and for some of us, some of the more cynical there's a very obvious and disturbing reason behind the the discrepancy in coverage and the discrepancy in diligence on law enforcement's part.
2: Is it because it's a an attractive young
1: blonde white woman?
0: <laughs> Sorry, is that what you're getting at? I'm maybe I'm asking off mic. I'm I'm maybe. literally just sipping over. Okay, here. fair. Well, yeah, we we talked about that before on this show specifically with indigenous women, women of tribes in certain parts of the Northwest and, and Southwest United States. I'm thinking about the Up and Vanished case on season three this year is is about a Native American woman who went missing in 2017. Um, mm. You know, we've, we've talked about that a lot. But yeah, it's also, yeah, people who go missing who are not white women. And uh, this, I, I yeah, understand that. And,
1: and again, this is what I am saying is the opposite of, It's very much the opposite of uh, saying, like, don't pay as much attention to this one missing persons case. It's just asking, doesn't everybody and doesn't everybody's family and their relatives and their loved ones, don't they all deserve that same level of investigation? I think so.
2: It's like what we've talked about recently, um, referencing the work of David Politis and and looking at all these registries. You know the the people that have disappeared in different uh, parks across the U.S. and how there is a discrepancy uh, as to what kind of treatment they get. And if you look at you know the reporting on this, and even the police department, the Northport Police Department has a tweet where it just shows an absolute manhunt, you know, with people decked out in um, flak jackets and, you know, all kinds of uh, volunteers. And it's just, you know, a real effort. Uh, And it certainly does not feel like uh, every one of these cases that politis reports gets this kind of treatment at all. Some of them uh, get no attention paid.
1: So Matt, with that, With like, I think you've done this amazing job outlining the very basics, which some people still not may not be aware of at this point. And as as we were building uh, building toward it, we have to ask, like, what what's the latest as we're recording today, September 20th?
0: Well, the, the latest right now all focuses on the fact that the boyfriend, for some reason, left that Grand Teton National Park or that area and went back to Florida without Gabby, at least to the to the best knowledge of people investigating. And Gabby stopped contacting anyone right at the end of August there. And he then kind of was hiding at his parents' house, and his parents and their attorneys were not having him speak with authorities. And at the time, when this first began becoming a story, when it was still just a missing persons case, the boyfriend, Brian, was just considered a person of interest and not a suspect in any way because there was this is a terrible thing, but there was no body. So it was not a homicide, if that makes sense. If Jordan. this was just a missing persons and he was they were interested in speaking with him, the attorney said, hey, don't do that. Don't speak with with law enforcement. So no action was taken by law, law enforcement to speak with him. That's sketchy as hell, though. It's very sketchy. It's very sketchy. It's not and only
2: sketchy, and it's it's weird that the law enforcement would just be okay with that.
0: That yes, it is very strange. You can read responses from various law enforcement officials who were parts of the uh, the teams who decided not to, you know, physically pursue him because it was a choice. Right? Here's the other thing: because they didn't pursue him maybe not because they didn't pursue him, but as a result of not being pursued by law enforcement, and then it kind of was heating up to where it looks like, at least from the national reporting, like law enforcement was going to pursue the boyfriend, he appears to have taken off. According to the family, you get one story. He like drove out to this reserve area in his Mustang and then left the Mustang there, and the parents had to go pick it up and bring it home. Uh, It's weird stories that the family is giving out and there hasn't been any communication between the boyfriend's family and the, and Gabby's family. There's been no communication again, because the attorney said, don't talk to them. Weird stuff. The FBI, as of this morning was, was searching Brian Landry's house, the, the home where his parents lived. And uh, at least according to ABC and NBC, uh, there was a hard drive recovered from the van, this this uh, Ford passenger sleeper van thing. You can find pictures of it. You can learn all about it if you want to. Uh, there was a hard drive found in there that may have more details about the trip itself. I'm assuming photos that are time stamped that have meta-da- metadata associated Most with likely. them, yeah. uh, videos, things like that. Because, again, as they're going on this trip, they're documenting, they're documenting everything for social media. So hopefully there will be the best like times and dates when this turns into a murder investigation. Because, as we said, a body was recovered that may be Gabby Petito, but an autopsy has not been performed as of this moment. And she's not been fully identified, at least as of the moment we record this
1: and uh we do have the the closest we have to confirmation at this point from authorities is the statement that the body they recovered is quote unquote consistent with descriptions, yeah, so a lot of people are taking that as uh, tacit confirmation pre autopsy, but it's not quite the same thing
0: It's not the same thing, and who knows what else is going to come out again by the time you you hear this story when something like this a case of a missing person gets this much attention, it's amazing and terrible for the, I would say for the authorities searching for this person or the people who are trying to solve this case. We've talked about it before. On the positive side, you've got everybody pretty much in the United States searching for answers, searching for a missing person, searching for maybe in this case, Brian or the potential suspect, right? you've activated a surveillance system that is every human being that has heard about this story. Uh, That's great. The problem is you're getting, you're getting probably a ton of misinformation from well, you know, from well-meaning people that say, oh, I think I saw Gabby, or oh, I think I saw Brian, or oh, I think I saw this, or I saw that. Mm -hmm. It makes it tremendously difficult as well to sift through all of the information that comes in when it gets this much attention. And then I would say the worst part About it is if this is a case that has to go to trial, you may be influencing a jury at some point that needs to sit down and be objective about the evidence that comes through. Sure. A lot of attorneys take great pains. We've talked about this as well. Get that jury that maybe hasn't been influenced by the media yet. Right. That's, like not, the, easy.
1: that's not easy. Those exist. Sure. Uh, but that's well, so
0: especially
2: if yeah. it has to be in a certain location. I mean, if it has right. to be tried like in a certain jurisdiction.
1: Right, right, right. Um, we should note uh, this is something you and I talked about off air, Matt. So much stuff with this story is gonna happen this week. You know, yep. they they may find uh the missing fiance. Uh there's the autopsy is set for tomorrow
3: mm-hmm.
1: on, on the body. Um and, and I read some conflicting sources that say it had been confirmed now to be the remains of Petito. But uh, oh, regard- I haven't
0: seen that as of the moment of recording. But as of this moment,
1: uh, whomever this body belongs to, a lot of people do believe it is it does belong to Gabby Petito, uh, the cause of death has not been confirmed. That's what you need the autopsy for. So that's where we are at at
0: present. Wow. Okay. So we will keep our eyes on this. You likely know more than we do in this moment because it is in the future as you hear this. I guess let us know your thoughts and we'll be right back after a quick break. So does Terminix. No matter what
1: type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control.
0: Terminix it.
1: Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today.
0: That's T E R M I N I X.com to book online today. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going
2: on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA
1: he says somebody's in the house and i screamed
2: listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare
1: and we have returned uh, there's something that that i thought would be great to end the show today Because we talked a little bit about the the challenges of creating topical stories. Well, not creating, but exploring topical stories uh, in a way that is relevant and timely. And this got me thinking, as as we do pretty often here, um, this got me thinking about the concept of time as human beings experience it. In an earlier segment, we explored a deep time experiment. You guys remember where those folks were put in a cave with no real access to electronics or ways to measure time? Oh yeah, for sure. And um,
2: what was the what was the result? I mean, I remember it being incredibly disorienting. Um, and but there was some kind of twist to that story, if I'm not mistaken. That I'm that I'm. escaping me right now.
1: Yeah, yeah. It turns out that the the way people perceive time is very much dependent upon external factors, right? And time can drift. It's not exactly as clean as it may seem on a clock. (laughs) And uh, this is where, I'm always thinking about this, this is where we came to something really trippy wanted to share with you. If you haven't heard about it yet, uh, Doc, hit me with the reverb, please. Time crystals. Okay, guys, Matt, Noel, I promise that'll sound better, I think, in the edit. What are you talking about? I heard it reverberate (laughs) through the spheres. Because now it's just me complaining about time crystals. But uh, but yes, special effects aside, uh, this is something that you may have seen mentioned in the news. And it's something that we don't—it's a— discovery, an invention that uh, the human species doesn't fully understand the implications of yet. So what I was thinking we could do is I wanted to check to see if you all had heard of this and then I was hoping we could explore it together and explain what these are, what they mean, when, what what experts mean when they describe them as time crystals, right? which sounds very RPG or video game, and perhaps most importantly, what that means for our future applications or for our concept of the future. Now, I know that a lot of us are uh, pretty big news hounds. Um, Matt, had you read about these before?
0: Yeah, I did. And I thought it was complete BS because none of it makes sense to me. And I was (laughs) like, no, yeah, time crystal. Okay, yeah, Google, whatever. So so go take your quantum computer and make time crystals. Okay, sure.
2: Commander Keen.
0: (laughs) That's
2: yeah, I I, I I know very little about this, but it strikes me immediately as the thing that you load into the, you know, the, the thing in your time machine that needs some sort of magical fuel, like the flux capacitor in, <laughs> mm-hmm. in Back to the Future. That's where the time crystals go, right? And it's something that you, very Rick and Morty, too. It's like you're, you're searching for all these distant planets to find and harvest time crystals. Uh, i assuming that's not what it is, but it's something timey-wimey and sciencey wincy, right?
1: Uh, Yeah, no, it's exactly like from that Rick and Morty episode, the crystals from Rick Die, Rick Pete, the death crystals, they're called in the show, which can allow you to see the various possible outcomes of your life or how you will die depending on the actions you take. Uh, so Google invented them. That's where we are now. Kidding, kidding. It's not quite the same. Okay, so to explain time crystals, the first thing we need to do to understand about uh, how important this could be, what a big deal this is, is we have to explain to ourselves what they are. So there are a couple of examples, and I didn't, I didn't bring props here, although, hey, uh, I don't know, did I show you this, Matt? Somebody got me, I left this Goonies mask
0: on my desk. That, that made an appearance somewhere on some social media that I saw. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was uh, at Ben Bullen on Instagram. Always
1: be closing. So (laughs) so, (laughs) come for the conspiracy, stay for the Goonie mask. Anyway, here's what happens. If uh, props aside, you can imagine it in your head, fellow conspiracy realist, a glass, a glass of water, whatever beverage you would like. And let's say this, no, let's make it water. Let's keep it simple. We don't want any emails about like guava juice. So you've got this glass of water, and it's got ice cubes in it. And it's just relative room temperature, right? So at some point, you can safely assume these ice cubes, all things being equal, will melt. That's kind of how, how physics works, how time works. But in this situation, let's imagine, so you've got your, you've got your glass, the water, and the ice, and you can, you can predict, okay, you know, in X amount of minutes, these ice cubes will melt. I've seen this before. And when they melt, they'll lower the temperature of the water, right? That's kind of why the ice is in there to begin with. But what about this? What if you were looking at a very special glass of water and you knew that it would melt in, say, five, six minutes, but then in another five, six minutes, the ice cubes would reform back to to their, their frozen form, and then fast forward another five or six minutes, and they melt. And then another five or six minutes, and they reform and they just keep going back and forth. Like that, um, what's that uh, film uh, where they have the light pooping back and forth? Bus oh, forever. yeah.
2: Forever, right. It's, uh, and it's also um, summed up with a little, like, early emoticon using, like, uh, asterisks and uh, um, open ellipses or parentheses, rather. It's uh, me and you and everyone we know, the Miranda
1: July film. Which, it turns out, may be based in part upon the concept of time crystals. <laughs> kidding. But the ice cube example, the, the, the glass of ice, is a pretty solid example. So we're talking about these two states that seem to uh, switch back and forth. There's another example from a guy named Kurt Von Kaiserling who plays a pretty profound role in all the theoretical work that led to this development.
0: I it's wish should say his, these
1: time crystals are real. It's clearly it's his destiny with a name like that. It's fantastic. Yes, yes. Uh, so he said, <sighs> this isn't my favorite example, but I want to get what he's saying wrong. So he says, imagine you take a box, any box, and you fill it with... Uh, many coins. And so if you look down at this box, it has a lot of coins in it, you'll see that they're either pointing like heads up or they're pointing heads down, right? Heads or tails. The old 50-50 chance that's made so many thought experiments possible. He says, all right, close this box, shake it. Shake it as long as you want. Shake it a million times. And if you look down, you put it back down, you open it, you count the coins, you'll see that about half of them are head side up, and half of them are tail side up, right? That makes sense, because they each have a 50-50 chance. And he says, you know, it doesn't really matter how many shakes you do a million and one, it doesn't matter, random shakes will give you this random roughly 50-50 chance. And then he said, imagine if I, imagine if this box behaved the way a time crystal does, what you'll see is that, what he calls the, the coins here, the spins, would be pointing mostly up. And then later, they might be pointing mostly down. It seems to remember, this time crystal seems to remember something about its previous state. And when we say remember, that's that gets into some spooky territory because Usually, living things to remember
2: right. And, and the, correct me if I'm wrong. This is defying one of the uh, laws of thermodynamics. Yes, uh, and I am no no scientist, but it's the idea that things move towards entropy, or mm-hmm. uh, you know, at least in terms of like distributing thermal energy throughout a system instead of like kind of keeping it more contained. And this one skips that step and constantly flips back and forth between right before it would like you know it would distribute it and almost to bring it more internal. Is that correct, essentially? I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm like the, oversimplifying.
1: Yeah, let me, let me super simplify because, you know, I'm not a physicist. A lot of us listening to the show right now are not physicists. There's a thing called the second law of thermodynamics. In a show like ours that applies critical thinking to some very strange ideas, uh, the most practical way to understand the concept of the second law of thermodynamics is this— It bans perpetual motion machines. It says none of that. (laughs) Get it out of here. I don't want to see it. I don't like that. That's what that's what the second law of thermodynamics means for a lot of people in real terms. Uh, And there has been no perpetual motion machine proven to exist. All things seek a low energy state over what we understand to be time.
0: That's it, right? You put some energy into a system, mm-hmm. and that en- energy, whatever that is, gets eventually spread out. Uh, especially when you when it comes to like temperature, uh, it it evens itself out, reaches equilibrium. Okay, uh, so in this case, their time crystal doesn't do this. <laughs> it's a, well, it, it goes one
1: way; and it goes back. It is forever sort of vacillating between. And -hmm. this change in states, oddly enough, doesn't seem to take energy, which means that it is doing something and it could just maybe do it for the human concept of forever. Uh, In July this year, a research paper was published that uh, showed this is possible. This, This really seems to be happening a limitless, rule-breaking source of energy, a very small level that could revolutionize quantum computers. It could revolutionize civilization. It's not hyperbolic to say it It could revolutionize civilization if people figure out some way to use it. Uh, It's been called by some folks, maybe a little breathlessly, the most important scientific breakthrough of our lifetimes. But they don't uh, quite know what to do with it, right? Or no. Uh it's got some os- it's got some possibilities. It'd be really accurate a uh, component for an atomic clock. You would know exactly what the the time was. There's that. Uh, but if you like I am not a fan of deadlines, you're like why do I need a better clock? That's not that's solving the wrong problem. Uh, so, uh we should also mention that uh, according to scientists this does uh, break Isaac Newton's first law of motion.
0: Yeah, I can see that. Ben, I want to read you a tiny thing here from this space.com mm-hmm. article that you shared with us. Mm-hmm. And I just want to see if you can explain it to me, okay? <laughs>
1: sure. Yeah.
0: All Let's right. give it a go. So, this is what they actually did at Google inside their supercomputer to create a time crystal. Yes. There were 20 strips of superconducting aluminum, okay? They had those, and Mm -hmm. they, quote, programmed them into two possible states. Then they blasted them strips with a microwave (laughs) beam, Mm -hmm. and somehow they flipped states. They were flipping states, and they repeated the experiment tens of thousands of runs, and then they would stop, record the states, Of Mm -hmm. each one of these strips, which one they were in. Yeah. And this is a quote What they found was that their aluminum strips were flipping back and forth between only two configurations, and they weren't absorbing heat from the microwave beam either. So they had a time crystal. What the hell are they talking about? I don't get it.
1: They're just going back and forth, back and forth. No, the name is. (laughs) I quit. (laughs) No, it's nope. Nope. You can't. (laughs) You signed a contract. (laughs)
0: When? <laughs> i don't understand
1: <laughs> it's not a work related contract no so the the uh, here's the thing the it is difficult to understand and it's weird and the name is misleading too you know like time crystal honestly sounds a lot cooler than what this thing actually is though it is still amazing what they did was not permanent either, right? You saw that part, right, Matt? The scientists were able to create this and it lasted for about 100 seconds. And this was in the core of Google's Sycamore, which is a quantum processor. Uh, Kurt Von Kaiserling said, you know, this was a big surprise because nobody would have expected this. In fact, theorists just predicted this, state of matter could exist only nine years ago so Mm. this is like in terms of things people didn't expect this is up there with how uh the human species keeps finding other mixtapes of early human beings that were able to interbreed with them and then possibly gave rise to you know all those different uh oral traditions and stories of of folklore then you know found out they were real they were real quote-unquote hobbits that's pretty nuts. Yeah.
0: yeah, it is. But like, okay, solid, liquid, gas—I get plasma, plasma. Yes, it's a thing that it's a thing that gas can essentially become. Right, it's another state of matter. Mm-hmm. In this case, we're talking about aluminum god <laughs> strips. <laughs> <laughs> how do they become a different state of matter? That's oh. yeah,
2: I'm, I'm, I'm confused on that one too. And and, and how is that use, used? You know, I understand. I understand where you're coming from with the quantum clock thing but it does feel a little bit like i mean did this happen by accident were they like were they aiming for this was this like a desired outcome or it almost just seems like a byproduct that's now getting reported on like it's some sort of crazy discovery
1: uh yeah they just have cooler hobbies than a lot of us you know over over at that facility uh this is the okay so the best way to think of it as a state of matter is that we're we're defining it as a phase of matter, and at the same time by doing that, because there's nothing else quite like it, and at the same time by doing that, we're already expanding our definition of what constitutes a phase of matter. You know what I mean? So it's it's cheating a little, right? Or it's at least, it's either cheating a little or it's just factoring in new information. Uh, so before now, all the other known phases of matter were uh, like had a a kind of thermal equilibrium, which meant that their their atoms trying to be low and chill, you know what I mean? Just lo-fi and vibe. They They settled down to the lowest energy state they could find permitted by the temperature around them. And if the temperature doesn't change, then those properties don't change. But a time crystal is... The first phase humans have ever learned about that's known as, quote, out of equilibrium. If you have already started doing something recreational in this conversation, whether it's cracking a beer or what have you, totally get it. This is weird, deep water.
2: No. Matt, th- there's another state of matter that was discovered relatively recently mm. that I wasn't familiar with until mm. looking into this. It's called Bose-Einstein condensate, yes. and it does most closely represent, you know, condensation. But it its rules are revolving around similar energy transfer uh, specificities. Let's just say, right? I think the deal with uh, this one is um, it gets to such low temperature that molecular motion comes close to actually stopping. But since there's no kinetic energy that's being moved from one atom to another, they start to like clump together and create this other uh, sort of form of matter that involves something called a super atom. Um, thousands of these separate smaller atoms clump together to create this super atom. And again, I'm reading a lot of this, uh, paraphrasing this from a live science mm-hmm. article. I don't fully understand that either, but at least I can kind of wrap my head around what a condensate is.
0: Yeah, dude. Dope. I get it. And, uh... Uh, like all quantum systems, Google's quantum computer needs to be perfectly isolated from its environment to prevent its qubits from undergoing a process <laughs> called decoherence, which eventually breaks down the quantum localization effects, destroying the time crystal. Yeah, I get all of that. I you get don't want it to all.
2: mess with the quantum localization uh, effect.
1: That's, I mean, that's, that's how you're doing podcasts for a living. Uh, we've, all, <laughs> we've all run into this kind of time loop. Uh, but this... So what what would the applications be here? It could do some pretty amazing stuff if, you know, if humanity doesn't destroy itself if there's not a gamma ray burst or the right kind of CME at the right time. A lot of caveats. But anyway, if they keep it together, then first, we're not talking about time travel.' Uh, just gonna just gonna get that out of the way right now. As far as the official science is concerned, everybody is traveling through time at the rate of one thing per second or per millisecond and only in one direction. Um, not the band. Uh, everybody. You don't have to be a member of One Direction to be a linear uh, time travel. I think I like their solo stuff better, but I'm with you, Ben. I'm with you. So they, they could detect magnetic fields. They could also be used in a diagnostic capacity in a quantum computer uh but the uh, there's something that really that really spoke to me. I was watching some i can't remember the exact video I was watching where someone summed this up, and they said that for them the main the main thing about these was that they were beautiful and they proved that there is more mystery to the universe uh than than perhaps we assume on a day to day basis and it further supports besides, he shakes his fist at the sky if further supports. Uh, something they've been soapboxing about for a while, which is at the very large end and the very small end of things, the rules, as humans understand it, break down. Like, all of the rules start to break down. So what's next? What rule are we breaking next?
0: I, I don't know. Hopefully it's just more time rules. Hopefully this time crystal can be placed into some kind of, I don't know, DeLorean or other device, mm-hmm. and then can be used to take us back to, I don't know, the 90s? And save General Motors EV1 vehicle, Mm -hmm. which will then put humanity on a track to not have hurricanes every five seconds, Uh, (laughs) which would be pretty cool.
1: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, yeah. And stay safe out there, folks, because the weather is probably just going to get wilder over time, however we end up defining it. So a conspiracy realist, fellow armchair horologist, the fancy word for the study of time, We hope you enjoyed today's segment. We cannot wait to hear from you. Uh, As Matt said, we are messing with time a little bit due to the way we record uh, these segments. You are going to, you are probably going to know a little bit more, hopefully, about the Petito case. Uh, We'd like to hear your take on that. We would like to hear your take on the greater good of training cattle and livestock, or housebreaking them. Uh, we'd also like to hear what else cattle can be trained for. I think the answers will surprise some of some of us. And Tricks. Uh, they can do tricks. Yeah. Uh,
2: v- a variety of them. You know, you just got to try hard. It's all I about, don't want to uh, call
1: it a trick. I don't want to well, dismiss it like it, that.
2: It's a, it's a move. It's definitely a move. Mm-hmm. Um, let's call it more of a minor superpower. How about that?
1: Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, that's, yes. What kind of minor superpowers can you train cattle to do? And uh, what do you think? future physicists will find? Will the time crystal just be an interesting oddity that's not really practical yet, like a lot of stuff on the far end of the known periodic table? Or are we on the cusp of something bigger? How inviolate are these laws right now and which will be broken in the future? Let us know. We try to be easy to find online. That's right. You can
2: find us on the Internet. You can find us in the usual social media locations of note, Facebook, Twitter, and uh, YouTube as well, where we exist under the handle Conspiracy Stuff. On Instagram, you can find us at Conspiracy Stuff Show. Or, hey, why not give us a telephone call?
0: Yes, please do. Our number is one 833 stdwytk Give yourself a nickname when you call in. It is voicemail, so there's a limited amount of time. You get three minutes. Use it however you wish. Just let your imagination go wild. See, see if you can oscillate between two states of matter or make a new state of matter while you're on the voice mail system. I don't know. That's weird. But do it. We look forward to hearing from you. If you've got more to say or you have links to share or anything else, you can send us a good old-fashioned email. We are
1: conspiracy at iheartradio.com.
0: Live Nation presents Concert Week from now through May 14th. Get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows.
1: That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like Twenty One Savage,
0: Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more for
2: way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love
1: all summer long for just. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed.
2: Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you
1: dare. Attention, true crime enthusiast, searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night. Look no further. Introducing Lazarus
2: Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief.